Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The following podcast contains explicit language. I'm Rachel Lindsay. I'm 31 years old, and I'm your newest bachelorette. I seriously keep waiting for someone to say, just kidding. (laughs) I'm just going to be myself. I do think that's going to be a little different. I'm sweet. I'm also sour. I'm sassy, yet classy. Hey, hey, and welcome to Represent. I'm your host, Aisha Harris. And if I sound a little different right now, it's because I'm a little sick. (laughs) A little Mean Girls reference there. Sorry, but I actually am sick. And I apologize if my voice sounds a little uh, groggier than usual. Anyway, we've got a lot to talk about today, especially, as you may have guessed from that audio clip, the new season of The Bachelorette. We haven't dug into reality TV too much on this show yet, but there's no better time to do so than for the occasion of the first Black Bachelorette in the ABC franchise's 15-year history. Yes, the first one in 15 years. But first, our latest Recognize, in which a dear colleague of mine highlights the cultural significance of one of my favorite shows. Check it out. So for today's Recognize, I have Marissa Martinelli, who is Slate's culture editorial assistant, but also represents a social media manager. So anytime, almost anytime you see us replying on uh, our Facebook page, that is Marissa. And Marissa has been awesome, like making sure everything like looks great and posting all these clips and You've been great. So welcome, Marissa. Thanks so much. I'm a huge fan of Represent myself, so I'm so <laughs> excited to be on. Yeah, it's so great to have you on finally. So what is your Recognize for today? My Recognize is a show that I know you are also a fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, it is on The CW, and it is called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yes! Um, <laughs> I it love is it. a hysterically funny comedy that is such a great example of representation in so many different ways, intersectional representation mm-hmm. with race, with ethnicity, with um, disability, with mental illness. It just it blows other shows out of the water. Yeah. So what's the one thing that you think the show does best when it, it like of all the intersectional uh, aspects? Um, what do you think it does best and, and how does it do it? That's so hard to pick one thing. I know. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel like a lot. It's been recognized for showing a male Asian lead, mm-hmm. a romantic, well, more importantly, like a romantic lead. Josh Chan. Josh Chan, played <laughs> by the great Vincent Rodriguez, yes. uh, who is so funny and talented. And I feel like that's been spotlighted. I feel like it has a very openly bisexual character who is funny and great. And that's been highlighted. Um, But one area where I think that it could even use more credit is in its depiction of mental illness. Mm. The main character, Rebecca Bunch, is played by Rachel Bloom, who's also the show's co-creator. And 
she's a great example of self-representation because Rachel Bloom has been very forthcoming about her own difficulties with anxiety and depression. And so it's great to see how that translates into the show and her sharing her own experiences through this fictional character. Mm. So... This title has been, you know, when it even it, we're coming into the third season, the next season will be the third season. And ever since the show premiered, the title has been something of a contentious title. People have criticized it. But I think, like you said, one thing that's great about the show is that crazy ex-girlfriend has a, it comes. It's a very loaded term. It comes with many different things, whether it be the word crazy being used for people who are not actually mentally ill or the idea of just like the girlfriend being the crazy one, being the unhinged one, and the guy never gets, you know, never gets um, the credit for being the over-the-top one, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call that. But obviously what Rachel Bloom has done is she unravels throughout these first few seasons, like a character who has to come to accept that. Like, she knows. She she takes medication. I think they make it clear on the show that she's supposed to be taking medication. Right. That's the point of contention. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've heard mental illness is definitely foregrounded. Um, the title definitely has the potential to put people off. But even in the first season, in the very theme song for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, they have Rachel Bloom saying, as Rebecca Bunch, that's a sexist term. She's the crazy ex-girlfriend. What? No, I'm not. She's the crazy ex-girlfriend. That's a sexist term. She's the crazy ex-girlfriend. Can you guys stop singing for just a second? She's so broken inside. The situation's a lot more nuanced than that. C-R-A-Z-Y. Okay, we get it. And so the whole idea of the show is really subverting that idea while also pointing out that a lot of behaviors in romantic comedies that we take for granted are in fact kind of crazy in and of themselves. Right. I mean, we should probably point out what the premise is just for people who haven't seen the show. Um, So basically, Rebecca Bunch is a sort of high-powered lawyer up and coming in New York City. Um, she has struggled with mental illness, and one day on the street, she sees an old flame from like when she was in high school. Yeah, um, way, from way summer back. camp, and that's Joshua Felix Chan. And she sees him, and as she says, she feels like glitter exploding inside her, and it reminds her of happier times. So she completely uproots her life and moves to West Covina, California, um, just to pursue Josh Chan. And I mean, he has a girlfriend. And, you know, the people around her recognize this as a strange decision and not a normal decision. And she pretends not to. Like, she pretends as if she's going because, like, she was just changing her life or whatever. She's just like, yeah, I was tired of New York. This is why I'm going to be a lawyer here in West Covina making, like, half of what I would be there. Um, But then, obviously, as it unravels, people begin to notice that, like, oh, you actually did this just to be near Josh Chan. (laughs) Right. And she stops. I mean, she stops taking her meds. Yeah. She's not going to therapy. And in fact, in the second season, she does finally start regularly attending therapy. But part of her character is that, you know, she doesn't take the advice of her therapist. She's not taking her medication. She's putting all of her her mental health into the idea of this relationship, which she's constructed it's entirely on her end Mm -hmm. um what is it about the mental illness aspect that um draws you to like that draws you to the story i think a major part of it is that it's packaged in this show that does have just a wider look at all kinds of representation Mm -hmm. but then also to have it as self-representation is so important Mm -hmm. i mean rachel bloom has spoken about how therapy 
and medication and even meditation have helped her with her mental health. But the way that she weaves it into her comedy is just fantastic. And that's one of the things I think that works so well with the show is that, like, even though Rebecca Bunch um, is clearly suffering from mental illness and like part of it is because she's not getting the help she needs like Rachel Bloom isn't afraid to make Rebecca Bunch sort of an unlikable character sometimes mm-hmm. so oh, like, sure. which is also great like she totally like it's not like she's beating her up as a character but she definitely is not like you need to sympathize with her at all times because she I can worry be, about her she can be so insufferable <laughs> it's you watch the show and I mean her her best friend is Paula, Paula yeah. who is so incredible um, and she is a great character in and of herself. But part of what I love about her character is that she's enabling Rebecca, mm-hmm. but also she has these moments where she steps back and goes, what we're doing is not normal and not healthy. And so far, we haven't actually mentioned that this is also a musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so there's not just the theme song, but there's also each episode has at least one or two songs in it that helped move the story along and they're just so funny they're often in different uh they're always different genres and they play Mm -hmm. with it and it's very like parody like but also like really smart and subversive and we don't want to get into season two in case people haven't watched it and we want we are encouraging people to go and watch it's on netflix yes uh but like what's the one song from season one that you think does a really good job of sort of underlining this theme of mental illness there's a great one called um sexy french depression yes which (laughs) Um, Rebecca has just watched like a very French artsy movie on TV and it's, you know, in black and white and they're wearing berets and the character, I don't speak French, but she's like, you know, I'm so depressed and it looks very (laughs) glamorous. And then Rebecca sings her own version of this song where she, you know, she's walking along scenic routes and singing about how she's in a sexy French depression. I black out with dessert wine. Oui, je suis garbage. This grot needs to be redone. I'm in a sexy, French depression. Je peux résoudre mes problèmes en But it, it gets gradually less and less sexy. <laughs> so there's one line where she's like, my bed smells like a tampon. Because she's not, she's not, you know, practicing <laughs> basic hygiene because she's depressed. Yeah. And so it's like a really fun way of subverting, you know, the glamorization of depression. Well, I will second and third all of your points about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And I'm just so glad we were able to recognize it for a little bit because it, it even though i think there's a lot of people who who love the show like like us it still feels very under the radar and more people need to see it it cannot get enough appreciation for sure well thank you so much marissa it was great having you on thanks for having me and now on to the bachelorette the new season has officially kicked off and the lucky lady who gets to take her pick of the most eligible of 30 plus conventionally attractive suitors is Rachel Lindsay, formerly a contestant on the previous season of The Bachelor and a practicing lawyer in Texas. She also, as the show's producers would put it, just happens to be black. So today we are going to talk about a show that I have very limited experience with up until this week, (laughs) Um, The Bachelorette. And the reason we're talking about The Bachelorette is because they finally, after what, 15 years of being in existence, finally have a black bachelorette, um, a woman who is the object of desire of some 30 plus uh, single men who are also very, very attractive as well. And so 
We could not not talk about this, and I'm very happy to be joined today by Andrea Salenzi, who is the host of the dating podcast YOY. Hello, Andrea. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming. And returning to the show, it's been a while since you've been on, but I'm so glad to have you back is Kara Brown from Jezebel. Hey, Kara. Hi, happy to be here. Yeah, all the way from California. You're Skyping in. So welcome back. And yeah, let's just get into this. We're gonna we're gonna dig deep because there's a lot to talk about. There is it's it's a show that is very frivolous in many ways. But it's also there's so much to mine in terms of what it's telling us about dating, about um, uh, lust, love, race, so let's just get into it. Um, so I've already said that I I have not really watched it. I watched like a couple of episodes back in college because one of my roommates was obsessed with it, never got into it. Um, so this was like the first time I've watched The Bachelor or The Bachelorette in like a decade, maybe. Um, and so, Andrea, your experience with The the Bachelorette, what what is it? Gosh, I think it goes back to when I was about... 25 years old, so seven years ago, when I was unemployed and aspiring for a job in radio. And I started watching the show and thinking long and hard about the hands of a producer and how you craft a story with real world elements. I think I was looking at it almost as documentary training or almost an escape path for a second career. <laughs> but also at the time, I don't think I realized this, my relationship was falling apart. We, we'd been living together for a year and we kind of knew there wouldn't be another year. And so I was looking at Allie's season and Allie and these gentlemen were talking about love and marriage and family and kids and things that I have no idea how to talk about. I I still am having a really hard time talking about those things and almost looking to them as a model for, oh, is this what relationships are? Is this how you get there? So you started talking, watching the show in your like early to mid 20s. Yeah, before it was cool, I feel like. (laughs) Yeah, it it was. I don't think it was cool for I don't even know if it's still. It's not. It's not cool. But yeah. But But at least now I can disrupt an office conversation by having a long chat about it, you know, over coffee. But at the time, it was a shameful thing that you did on Hulu alone. And now it feels like there are podcasts about it and, you know, spinoff shows. And it feels more socially acceptable now. It's like online dating, basically. Like, they both have the same sort of trajectory of, like, not being cool. And now you can talk about it. Interesting. Um, except, yeah. except online dating, I think, now is just considered the norm and bachelor probably will never get to that point. But. Yeah, I have, I have a date tonight and I text him, like, what do you think of The Bachelorette? Just as a test, he obviously did not watch it. <laughs> no. I don't know if our date's still on. <laughs> uh, well, you'll have to you have to follow us up on that. <laughs> so, Kara, what about you? What is your bachelor bachelorette um, education knowledge up to this point? I watched the first season of The Bachelor, and then I watched the first season of The Bachelorette. Shout out to Trista, <laughs> and I do not believe I have seen an episode since then. <laughs> Okay, so you're kind of in the same boat as me then. Yeah, yeah. Tot- like, I am only watching because Rachel is black. That is the only reason I am tuned in to this season. Um, I'm hoping that maybe uh, – I know that, like, the way they keep picking the new contestants is sort of who's been on the show before. So the fact that a um, a black person or a non-white person will hopefully get further than, like, the third round seems um, – uh, like we might get maybe a black bachelor or just, you know, a not white bachelor. Um, so maybe I'll tune in next season too. Right. So let's just talk about the way the bachelorette works. As Kara just described that, like they usually pick the last 
per, like someone from the last season of The Bachelor, The Bachelorette to be the next Bachelor or Bachelorette. But Andrea, as our resident expert, how does this show in general work? So The Bachelorette is a younger series than The Bachelor. And historically, it has a much higher success rate for coupling. So there are more bachelor women make better decisions. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They think with their brains instead yeah. of yeah. amazing. Yeah, but, <laughs> and and actually, I historically really connected with a lot of the bachelorettes. You know, sometimes they're very smart and funny, and and also they have that sparkle quality. I feel like the guys are typically very like Ugh. I don't know. They're 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 these hard lumps that are trying to find their hearts, but the women come in with full hearts, ready to see what happens, and and it often parallels the feeling of online dating. I think. Oh, you always see this in the very first episode, this onslaught of guys coming out of a limo to to seduce her. And I always feel very violated in the first episodes. Remember the tickle guy? Oh, my God. Ah. Yes. That there were a few moments and that was one that stood out to me. So typically a bachelorette like the season Rachel is selected to vet 30 guys um, and starting that first night. And you watch the guys one after another get out of the limo and then do whatever they want with her. They can pick her up. They can kiss her. They can speak to her in a foreign language. They grab her around the waist. And she's an incredibly beautiful, successful woman. And it always feels so violating to me. It feels like online dating when uh, someone starts tickling her. It, the, yeah, the this this leads into something. Um, we might as well just go there. We're going to go all over the place because there's so much to talk about. But like, so... Rachel as a candidate, is there any, as someone who's watched the show, is she pretty, like, what makes her different besides the fact that she's black? Or what makes her the same? Because to me, it seems like, granted, I haven't watched much of the show, but I know, like, I do sometimes read the recaps and, like, I'm aware of the way, and I watched, like, both seasons of Unreal, so I know how these things go. (laughs) Um, And so I'm curious as to, like, what makes her different? Um, because she this whole thing just seemed kind of like what we're used to seeing with these shows where the woman just kind of like she's keeps looking agog like oh I can't believe all these men are here for me and then she has to sit there and take like that like mild sort of uncomfortable borderline harassment uh, physical and uh, audible um, and so like what what about this is different from from the other seasons or what isn't well the vocabulary of the show feels so limited to me that any words that stand out tend to be placed there for a reason so the word they keep using with her is skeptical yeah. so they say oh she was skeptical when she was on Nick's season and I think of skeptical as code for she's skeptical about her ability to find love on television but she's also skeptical about the show's ability to not mistreat her as a woman of color. And so she was very skeptical going into Nick's season. And then the show proved her that she would make it by letting her make it to those final three and by Nick giving her that rose the first night. My other observation about Rachel is that they keep calling her a triple threat. Yes. Oh, white yes. material. <laughs> what's a tri- as as women what what's a triple threat? What are we what's the pressure that's on us to always be? Well they kept saying I kept hearing the adjectives funny beautiful smart and that that was like that was it but they they were all like flummoxed that they could find a woman that was both beautiful and smart like it was the degree to which they're like ah can't find a girl like that i'm like you what are you talking about they are all they're all over the place and they're just she's just funny and she's smart and we can bring her home to mom and it was 
like the, I mean, she's, she is wonderful. Yes. And like, she's very cute. And I very much enjoyed watching her, but they were all, all acting like they had discovered a unicorn. And I was like, I feel like there are like 10 Rachel's that you, you know, ditched on Tinder for sure. Right. I mean, that's the weird that's the weird thing about this whole premise. Right. Is that like you're on the show and as like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, you you automatically have to assume you're going to meet someone out of that third that pool of 30 people. And those 30 people are automatically going to convince themselves that this is a woman they want to be with. And it's just such a weird it's not how it's not even how online dating works. Like online dating, you at least have like a large ass pool to choose from. Whereas here you've got 30 people or if you're <laughs> if you're one of the, the the contestants, you've got one person. Like, has it ever happened that like a contestant has been like, I, I actually don't like this bachelor or bachelor? <laughs> like, has it ever happened? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. That makes <laughs> well, me feel better. <laughs> what was his name? The soccer player. Uh, it- it has happened. There was like a there was a famous soccer player guy who kind of rejected the whole show and and by the end was kind of at war with the producers and got a horrible edit. Is it Juan Pablo? Yeah, Juan Pablo. Oh, okay, I remember that name. I, yeah, I wanted to say Juan, but I didn't want to sound racist, like an asshole. If <laughs> yeah. I was wrong, yeah. I mean, sometimes they do get to the end and there's no one there. But I, I'm a weirdo who believes in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a great joy in having rules for dating again. Um, When my grandma was dating, she knew that that dates led to an engagement and led to marriage. She knew what to wear on a date. She knew that it was going to be to the milk shop place in the Rockaways. And that's how dating worked for her. And I think there are a lot of young women today who don't know the rules anymore. So I went to the Bachelor auditions in uh, at ABC Studios, and there was a line full of gorgeous women down the block. And I said, why are you here and not using Tinder right now? And they all said, I actually think I have a shot at finding love on television. Like, there's one guy, he's hand-selected, he's background-checked, he's typically good-looking, and I, I want a shot at dating him. And for some reason, it seemed like an easier path towards love and romance to go on television than um, than opening up your phone and messaging some stranger where you don't know the rules anymore. Right. And you actually, you you I, we heard a little bit of that on your show, YOY. The women I spoke to believed that at least the guy they meet on television is background checked and ready for something real. At least we know The Bachelor will be ready, hopefully. Yes, he'll be ready. <laughs> I think that there's something exciting about The Bachelor that there's some kind of long-term commitment after it. Yeah. Not like these little boys who and I found that really weird. <laughs> their, their answer is like, I was like, I, I don't, how is, how is television easier than, than, which makes me wonder, like, is it really, do these people really believe that? I have a question because one of the things I was like taken with watching this episode was the degree to which like these dudes were completely enamored with her from the jump. Mm-hmm. And like, I get that they would have watched the season before. So would it's they not go? like. Do you guys watch? Do, do you guys actually it seemed like, watch It the seemed show? like a bunch of them had. I feel like a few of them, like the few of them were like, Nick messed up, man. I don't know. So it seemed, <laughs> it seemed like they had, you know, they had some idea who she was. Um, and obviously like, you know, she, they knew who it was going to be and all of that. But they were all, there were a bunch of them who were just like, I'm, I'm, it's incredible to be in her presence and I'm what, I'm going to be her husband and all this stuff. And I was like, you don't know this girl. And, and part of that, like, that's when I was just like, do you, I know it's a television show and like there are producers and it's, it's all being sort of controlled, but it felt 
a bit disingenuous because they all seem to be in love with her after like two minutes in the mansion when they've all been drinking. Have you guys ever had an experience where you're in a when when you're single and you're in a small group of people and you're like, I have to find my partner in this group, like like a birthright trip or like a field trip oh, in high school? Yeah, of yeah. course. But it's weird because it's not necessary because it's a little put upon. Right. Well, well, also, you're not like a, a kid anymore. These people are in their right. 20s and 30s. And it's right. like, it's so... You don't have to love her. Right. It's sort of my thing. It's like, great if you do, but it's not actually like, you'll be fine if you don't think Rachel is the most incredible woman you've ever met in your life. Unless you do, which is great, but you can't all think that. I think that there can be a Kool-Aid effect, though, because you you have to go shopping for a whole season of clothing. You tell all your friends and family that you're going, that you're going to be on television, and everyone starts to say, oh, you and Rachel will be great for X, Y, Z reasons. And suddenly you have this fantasy that fills your mind where, oh, my God, I'll never have to date again. This is my wife. I'm going to have this magical love story on television. There's no way that that's not totally intoxicating. And the producers know the power of saying, here's your path and, and making the choices seem easy. And also the idea that that it's a competition, right? So yeah, I, I, I we can't underestimate the competition level here, and yes. and how much that fuels it. Like they might not even actually believe it, but like they've convinced themselves right. that this is what they want because they've got to win. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If we're going to talk about this being the first Black Bachelorette, seeing, I don't think I've ever seen a Black woman admired in this way Ever like fond over like I mean Michelle Obama yeah but I'm talking about like in a TV context of like being the main object of desire like when I look back at all the like 90s TV shows that I grew up on like the exceptions are probably and actually weirdly enough the Bachelorette the premiere references uh, Steve Urkel slash Stefan and his mm-hmm. obsession with Laura Winslow where one of the Bachelor contestants pops out and like. Pretend, like comes out as a nerd first, then goes back in the in the the limo and comes back out as like the handsome suave Stefano Raquel. Um, so like he was obsessed with her, and then like on Sister Sister, T and Tamara, uh, they had Roger. But like those are like you have like the geek nerd no one wants like fawning over mm-hmm. these women, and like you look at someone like Lark Voorhees on Saved by the Bell. Like, did she ever have a boyfriend? Like. Maybe once, but like she was kissed her once. (laughs) Yeah, but like she was clearly the most attractive girl out of uh, to me anyway. Like out of all the girls on that show, and she like never had a love interest. So like when you put that against what we're seeing now, where like as cheesy as it is, as ridiculous as this whole conceit is, there is something to be said for the fact that like we are finally seeing a black woman and. I might get flack for this, but not just like a black woman like who looks like Beyonce, but like a black girl who looks like a quote-unquote regular black girl like I do like and like a brown-skinned exactly brown-skinned like she's really pretty but like isn't like 
she doesn't look have like quote unquote European features. Like she looks yeah. like a normal black girl. I'm sorry, I must. This is Verilyn stepping in. We cannot forget the famous Tiffany Pollard of I Love New York fame. Oh, yeah. No, we'll, we'll talk. We'll we'll, we'll get it. We'll get yeah. into that. I want to get into that. But for, <laughs> we'll get into that. Um, but like it's great to see that happening. As terrible as this whole, whole conceit is, I think. Yeah, I mean, I one of the I've been talking about the last, the most recent season of Master of None. Um, a lot with people because in, in the first season, one of the criticisms they got was that um, while you know Aziz Ansari is 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 Indian and and the cast was pretty diverse, none of his love interests were were mostly white women. And so in this season, they made more of an effort to when you saw some of the women he was going on dates with were women of color. However, his main object of desire, again, was a white woman. Yeah. And and I, I tweeted something about this where you just at a certain point as a woman of color, like you want to see women of color, not just on screen, but like being desired and pined after and obsessed over and like, and the way that he was doing with the white women on Master of None, like he's in love with this girl and he's dreaming about her and he can't get enough of her and he thinks she's the most incredible person. And you so rarely ever see women of color being treated like that. And and even when, even when they are, you know, perhaps the lead in something or the romantic interest, like I, I feel like it's never this like, oh my God, I cannot believe that this woman exists and I get to be with her. That sort of feeling that, that we see with white women constantly. Um, and, and I mean, and that's why I'm watching the show, right? Like having not watched it forever. It's like, I, the idea of watching all of these very attractive men who like mostly have their shit together, like everyone's employed, um, except for the Waboom guy. Oh God, Waboom. Uh. There's this guy named Reality Steve and he's like the infamous spoiler king who, you know, will source all the intel and scope all the sightings of her uh, over the course of filming the season. Mm. And Reality Steve did his recap episode and the last line of it was... And probably the best part of this episode, the fact that we have a black bachelorette never crossed my mind. Oh, okay. Can That's (laughs) that's another thing we need to talk about. How did it not cross? That's all I could think about. (laughs) Because here's the thing. It's because ABC and the producers behind this are deliberately not Mm. talking about it. Like several interviews uh, I've read with Chris Harrison and the casting director, Lacey Pemberton, like they've totally downplayed. They're like, oh, she just happens to be African American. They can't even say black. She's like, she happens to be African American, and that's a great thing. They're like, um, when they're asked about it, they're like, well, you know, we just wanted to like find the best one, and it's great that it turns out to be her in the premiere. Chris Harrison keeps calling it a historic night, but doesn't say why. <laughs> And the, the only, the only, there's only two mentions of 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 race at all in in this premiere, and that's the the first time I believe is when um, they bring back an old quote that was in the oh. after the after the final rose or whatever special, um, where unlike other versions of the show, she actually got to meet four of her bachelors beforehand at that um, the end of the last season, their finale, and one of them had the gall to say, "I just want to let you know." I'm ready to go black, and I'm never going to go back. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) 
And so he gets out of the limo and asks her, like, was that okay? And she's like, oh, it's fine. And I was like, what? (laughs) And then the second time, like, one of the Black contestants is like, this is the most diverse I've ever seen. One of the things that I've been, like, just waiting for in terror is like one of these guys saying something stupid to her because she's black and exactly like that comment that I'm going to go black thing. And I'm like, how many times has some white dude who says that he likes me said something stupid as hell? Uh, And and like, I know it's happened to me. It's happened to probably every woman of color, every black girl who is, who's dated outside her race. And I'm just like, sitting on my couch, like, oh my God, is this guy going to say it? Is this guy going to say it? Like, I'm just, I'm wait. Even the dude who brought her chocolate at first, I was like, oh, please right. don't say that she, like, I don't think he, I don't think he said he made like a connection, but like, I, you know, someone's going to call her chocolate or something at the course of the season. Well, that reminds me that one of the dudes who's, who's actually black brought her brownie. So this is a different guy. He brought her a brownie and he was like, the black or the brownie, the sweeter the dude. And I was like, <laughs> What the hell? Even the brothers are going to be doing this now? Like, come on. Like, really? Um, My question for you is, both of you, is do we think that, like, so we've talked a little bit about how she's sort of just taking this all and laughing it all off. Like, is she a little too bland in her blackness? And I, by that, I mean, like, I, I worry because she has so much pressure to be being the first black bachelorette that she is going to let all of like say someone does say, say another like really bad thing uh re- dealing with her race is she going to laugh it off or is she going to like confront i'm worried that she's a little worried that like if she says something or like doesn't go along with it as 100% that then she's worried that she's going to be perceived as like the angry black woman or like the you know like can't t- can't take a joke quote unquote like do you, is that something, it concerns me. Does it concern you? Um, it does concern me. I, I get that she gets her role. Like she, Rachel to me, she's clearly a very smart girl. She's watched the show and she's done it. So it's very clear that she gets how this works and, and seems to understand that like her kind of performance and all this is necessary to the show being successful. Um, Cause you know, like I would have, I probably would have snapped at a couple of those dudes, like the dude who would have picked me up and stuff like that. Uh, and, and the tickle guy. Yeah. Uh, like I would have uh, been like, dude, get off me, which is why I'm not going to ever be on the bachelorette. Um, but I, I have to believe that there was some sort of mandate from the producers that like, okay, we have all these black people here and we have the black bachelorette. Like we can't make it too black. And whether or not that was something that was like explicitly said, or just understood because because that's a complaint, right? Where it's just when you have like people of color and then they just happen to be talking about their lives, which you know involve certain things that that white people don't um, experience. Then it's like, oh, well, we're talking about all this race stuff, you know, and all mm-hmm. these issues and things like that. Yeah. What about you, Andrea? I feel like the show earned a little of my trust last season with Nick, and I I hadn't been expecting it to do that, but. With Nick, when they did the hometown visit with her family, um, you know, before they walked into her home, he said, I just want to be clear, like, I know you're black. <laughs> like, I'm not colorblind. And like, I know this is a thing. And then there are a lot of funny moments that happened on that hometown date, like the family being like, can you identify these foods? And him kind of smiling at them like, I'm white. I'm not from Mars. <laughs> but he still hadn't tried okra. 
which is weird. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> and then there's this great moment where um, her sister is also married to a white bearded dude. And they had this great moment of like all seeing each other and being like, so we all look the same. <laughs> and like, this is the same combination. I can't help but notice <laughs> you are a white. Yeah. So is this something new for you? Is this the first black woman you dated? It is the first serious relationship I've been involved in with um, a black woman. So what's different now? Her. We've talked about this before. Like, mm. the fact that she's black is just, like, a fact. But what I like about her is just the fact that she's smart, good-looking, challenging, in a great way, funny, easy to talk to, really good-looking. Um, you said that twice. Fun. Twice. Uh, <laughs> I feel like the show didn't hide from it or run from it as a topic, and they allowed... Um, Rachel and her family to talk about it the way they talk about it. So I I think the show wouldn't have done it if it didn't feel ready for it. At the same time, why am I giving it my trust considering its his, <laughs> history of hurting black women on this show? And like normally when I watch it, I basically brace for people of color to be hurt and ignored. So why would I treat this any differently? But I, I have a strong feeling like she has the producers on her side and it's in the producer's best interest to make her like this perfect person that they can hold up. And she's doing the things the producers want so far. So like she kept she kept around the tickle guy. She kept around Waboom. She they're telling her what to do and she's doing it. So it shows me that they're having a good relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I can see that. I'm still a little worried um that she might feel as if she can't express herself in the way that she would if this is a real life situation. Right. And you guys saw that preview clip where she's crying and saying how much pressure she feels right. she's under. It's a mm-hmm. lot of pressure. I mean, Verilyn, our producer, lovely producer, would would not like it if we totally skipped over what she calls the first real black bachelorette on <laughs> reality TVs, <laughs> which would be Tiffany Pollard, a.k.a. I Love New York. Um, and even though I did not watch the Bachelorette, the Bachelorette or The Bachelor, I did watch a lot of VH1 reality dating shows, mm-hmm. which are so much worse in so many ways. Um, but yeah, that show, I rewatched a bit of the premiere of I Love New York. So basically, I Love New York um, is a spinoff of The Flavor of Love, which was itself a spinoff of, off of The Surreal Life. So that's like so like so much like uh, uh, cross-pollination going on there. And Flavor of Love, of course, was the infamous show in which Flavor Flav of Public Enemy was looking, quote unquote, for love. Um, that's debatable. And Tiffany Pollard was like, she played the role that like, I, I haven't watched much Real Housewives of Atlanta, but like she played basically all of those ladies in terms of being like the black, sassy, take no mess, quote unquote, ghetto, like she checked off all of those boxes. And when she didn't get with Flavor Flav, she got her own TV show. And I mean, just that we I rewatched the the premiere of I Love New York. And there's so much. First of all, it's way campier than the Bachelor Bachelorette ever has been. Um, Although this premiere got a little campy with like the Waboom guy and also the, the weird mannequin guy um but you also <laughs> and you the also, person in a suit the person the, the, the girl penguin. the penguin oh and the penguin yeah and the drummer and the drummer uh, okay the the penis size yeah all right fine there's, oh, there's, the penis there's a penis guy yeah oh the uh, penis guy and the drummer are the same 
Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, they are. Okay. okay. Well, okay. So <sighs> Bachelor is pretty campy, campy still, but this was like a whole nother level. It's also from like a decade ago. So like the times were way different in terms of reality TV, but this was clearly like more satirical, not serious, way tra- trafficked, way less subtly in, in stereotypes. Um, There's a lot of homophobia there. She had like a, an assistant who was like this gay Latino man. And as the guys arrived, it was like, are we? Oh, no. Where did New York go? Are we going to have to date a gay man now to be on television? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so terrible. We're waiting outside. The anticipation is building up. New York's going to come out and greet us. Out comes a... a I don't know who this dude is. I just, and I just feel like for my reputation, I definitely rewatched it when I sent it to you all feeling like, oh my God, it was my pre-woke moment. Because I was just like, this is so bad. But I remember really like loving I de- it. I, me too. I devoured that. Me like, too. I knew, and I knew it was bad then. But like, I definitely wasn't really thinking about it on that level of like, wow, this is really homophobic. Oh, wow. Like, this is like, this is makes black women look ridiculous um up until now that was like that was black women's rep like representation on like a reality dating show aside from like the more <clears throat> they've had like i think chili from tlc had a dating show and also salt and like pep from salt and peppa but like they were already famous it's a little different like i don't know so we went from that to this and <laughs> I think it's an improvement, although I also do think it's interesting that, like, we should talk a little bit about the fact that she's, like, 31. Um, Rachel is 31 on, on this season. And she's – is she the oldest? I think she's the oldest Bachelorette yeah. on the show because usually it's, like, early, mid-20s women. Yeah. Women. Didn't yeah. – when she met the guy who – the guy who, like, stuck his tongue all in her mouth. Oh, um, uh, the and, one who wound up, spoiler, getting the, yeah, the rose. First impression rose. <laughs> Who's that? Uh, chiropractor. Would you guys date a chiropractor? I don't know. I don't. I've From never... Miami? Yeah. It was a, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he spoke to her in Spanish. <laughs> right. But I will say, so when I remember when they like, you know, went off together and he said he was 37 and she was oh, like, right. oh, I like that. And I was like, girl, I bet you do. Cause there's a bunch of like 26 year olds in there. And I, I am 28 and I don't think I'd want to date a 26 year old man. Oh no. <laughs> so <laughs> So no. I was like, oh, her noticing that there was like an adult man in the group seemed to be really well, important. Also, her, her clock is clearly ticking. Like she's saying over and over, yeah. I want, I'm like, I'm ready. Like I want to ring on this finger. Like every sort of cliche about wanting yeah. to like settle down. Um, and yeah. clearly like a 37 year old guy is probably going to be more ready to have a child than the 26 or like the one guy who wants she it turned out she like apparently babies or she was like oh god <laughs> she was like the leader of his like she was his camp counselor. camp counselor and she was in eighth grade and he was in third grade i'm like so that means he's probably like 24 25 like ooh, what no <laughs> and the, the for me the fun of watching is like i like to try to guess who she actually has feelings for and who she's keeping around because it makes a good story for the producers and that's definitely one where they're keeping it around because it gives them something to talk about exactly because the thing you can't talk about for all the episodes that are ahead of us are just i'm getting feelings for you i think you're great i like you too they need to talk about something else and so that's why they keep around all these these weirdos and characters is to to create some action while she actually falls for the guy she's gonna fall for and if i had to make a prediction there was a moment with um 
Brian, the Colombian chiropractor, that I think is our key to who she's going to pick in the end. If I were to give my like armchair psychology perspective, please do do. it. Yeah. So when she was giving him that first impression, Rose, she said, I don't know if it was because you told me I was going to be in trouble. (laughs) I don't know if it's because you spoke to me in Spanish, but there was something there. And then I loved how you just took control of the conversation. So that tells me something about a power dynamic she's looking for. Uh, Yeah, she wants a dominant force, like, yeah. A take charge kind of a guy, right? Also older, obviously. Like, he's older. He's got that. Yeah. Yeah. I would be happy if she ended up with a white guy and then, like, two or three runners up were black. Mm -hmm. And then we can, like, get a black bachelor. I hadn't thought about that. Because that's how they do it, right? Yeah, that's actually usually how it works. Although one season they took the two top runner-up women and made them compete against each other to be The Bachelorette. What? Was that The Bachelor in Paradise show or is that different? No, that oh. was different. It was a... Uh, compete? What? Yeah, they picked the two runner-up women and then had them both show up at the house, vet the 30 guys simultaneously <gasps> and compete, which... Ugh, Wait, did the guys get to pick? Yes, like, and then wanted? the guys no! voted at the end of the night who got no! to stay in the mansion. That no. sounds monstrous and terrible. Yeah, no. <laughs> they did not do that. And they the did it, and it was leave. it was the the funny sassy girl versus like the beautiful waitress yogi girl. <laughs> <laughs> so the show the show has been, I, I I don't wish being the bachelor on any of these guys, but I, yeah. I do hope it's a black bachelor. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well, on that note, we will do our plus or delta segment that we always do, which is that we talk about a positive thing that has happened in representation recently or a negative thing that has happened in representation recently. Um, But we're going to do a little bit different. And I'm just going to ask you both, um, do we think that The Bachelorette this new season will be a plus or a delta? Uh, Kara, why don't you go first? I think it will be a plus. I trust Rachel more than anything, more than I trust these dudes. Um, but I trust Rachel to move through the show well and 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 hopefully try to address some of the things that we've talked about um, in terms of her being Black and, and seeing a woman of color in this position. And also, I will happily take a two-hour distraction in this horrific world we're existing in every week. So... <laughs> Nice. I say it's definitely a plus. I'm so happy the producers saw her talent when she showed up to date Nick and didn't let her end up with him. <laughs> um, and, and I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on her, but I, I trust her to handle it. And I'd say I'm more of a mixed bag, but because we can't choose uh, mixed bags, I'm going to say it's going to lean very heavily plus. And I agree with everything you both said. And I also think that it, so long as nothing gets too out of control, I think the plus especially will come from other women of color, black women in particular, being able to see themselves as an object of desire and the uh, the apple of many men's eyes. 
Well, thank you so much to both Andrea and Kara for joining us today. It was great to have you on. Thanks. This was fun. Thanks for having me. As always, thanks for listening in on us. Represent is produced by the lovely, awesome Berlin Williams. And our social media assistant is Marissa Martinelli, who you, of course, heard earlier in today's episode. And the music is by the sweet San Francisco funk soul band Midtown Social. If you're really digging what we do here, please tell two of your like-minded friends about us. Spreading the word goes a long way, and we truly appreciate it. Until next time.